Robert Steinbach filling in for Dave this President's Day morning. It is 6.06, 51 degrees here in Little Rock. Zach, where's the song for me? Where's Steinbach? No, we're kidding now. This is Dave's show. It is an honor and a privilege to sit in his chair on his show. Folks, we've got a lot to talk about this morning. We've got a lot of people calling in this morning, various politicos, as I like to call them, your elected officials, because our job here on 101 The Answer is what? Is to make sure you have a voice. And if a politician, if an elected official doesn't listen to you, guess what? He ain't doing his job because he works for you. This is the problem in politics these days. These politicians don't understand. They work for you. You don't work for them. You haven't elected a king to be his or her subject. You have elected a bureaucrat, and I actually mean that in the best of ways, not a bureaucrat, a bureaucrat to work for you. That's their job. So I am tired of these politicos thinking that they are being anointed. That this somehow this, the white smoke is coming out of the conclave and they have been elected the Pope. They are neither divine nor are they royal. They serve you. But too many of them don't understand that simple premise. First and foremost... Your buddy Bloomberg. Mr. Bloomberg, who's been traveling around the country, by the way, supporting groups like Moms Demand Action. By the way, I got to tell you, I disagree with everything. Perhaps Moms Demand Action, that's an anti-gun group, has to say. But I believe they are committed individuals. And I give them credit for that. But they're wrong. And here's the insidious part. They are funded by Bloomberg's policy or preference to affect outcomes throughout the country. Does Bloomberg live in Arkansas? No. Does Bloomberg vote in Arkansas? No. But Bloomberg wants to determine what state laws we have in Arkansas. So Bloomberg defends, excuse me, funds... Moms Demand Action, and Moms Demand Action pushes legislation that we don't want. Moms Demand Action gets behind allegedly Republican John Cooper, who kills the Stand Your Ground bill in the last session. What's Stand Your Ground, folks? Do you know what Stand Your Ground is? Now think about this for a moment. Stand Your Ground is a very simple law. All it says, by the way, a law that Arkansas doesn't have. Does Texas have it? Oh, yeah. Does every state around Arkansas have it? Oh, yeah. Does New York have it? No. So guess what? We are like Bloomberg's New York and not like all of our surrounding states. It's like on Sesame Street. Which one of these doesn't fit in? 
Arkansas doesn't fit in with the so- th- southern, excuse me, it took me a moment, southern culture and lawmaking because we are the only state in the region that has a law like New York. I left New York, folks. I left New York. And one of the reasons that I greatly prefer Arkansas is because of the freedom that we have regarding many things, including our inherent Second Amendment rights. Do we have it here regarding Stand Your Ground? No, sir. No, ma'am. We do not have it. Now, by the way, is New York inferior to everything down here? They got better pizza, folks. They got better pizza, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. People say, oh, why did you go down to such and such or so and so? Oh, my gosh. You all don't know good pizza. Now, I will concede there's that place up there, Zaza's. That's fancy foo-foo pizza, but it's pretty good fancy foo-foo pizza. But for regular thin-sliced pizza, call in, tell me where to go. There used to be NYPD uh, pizza up on Cantrell. Closed! Closed! I'm getting off on a tangent in any event. Stand your ground. Here's what that law, if we had it, if we had it, would allow us to do. A bad guy threatens you, your family, someone with you, with deadly force. By the way, it's not deadly physical force. Why not? What is it? What's the alternative? Deadly mental force? It's deadly force. Threatens you with deadly force, and under current law in Arkansas and New York, None of the surrounding Arkansas states, but in current law in Arkansas and New York, you've got to stop, look around. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? Stop, look around, make sure or determine whether there's some place to which you can flee safely. Wait, what? Wait, what? Why did you make me juggle beanbags in my left hand as well? Why don't you make me play hula hoop or hacky sack before I decide whether I'm going to defend my family, myself, and those around me? And so the lefties say, well, you know, you see, if we make you flee, then there'll be less danger. There'll be less harm caused. Not to me. Not to the person in the right. Do you think that I am concerned whether the guy or girl who's threatening my life is harmed? I do not care. Not in that context. Not in that context. By the way, I believe in the sanctity of life for all individuals. And I mourn all deaths, even of those of aggressors. I mean that sincerely. But not more than mine! Not more than my family's. No, thank you. That's what stand your ground laws. And so you might be saying, wait a second, I'm confused. I'm confused. We have a 75% Republican. I didn't say conservative, folks. I did not say conservative. 75% Republican legislature. And yet, what happened? How does that bill not pass? It was written by the only practicing attorney in the Senate in conjunction with a really wise and solemn House member, Aaron 
Pilkington. The Senate member, of course, is Bob Ballinger. The very wise member in the House is Aaron Pilkington. Uh, he is much wiser than his age appears. I mean that sincerely, folks. This guy, he's going places, and he's already in places. He's serving his people well. So they write this perfectly reasonable bill. By the way, modeled after the Texas bill. Now, does Texas look like they're a bunch of Yosemite Sams running around shooting each other? No, it don't. No, it don't. But what does Texas look like? It looks like what happened in that church shooting where the crazy guy showed up, killed two people, and then the armed citizen slash citizen guard shot the bad guy. That's what Texas looks like. And as I've said on the Twittergram, the Twitter folks, by the way, follow me on Twitter if you like. I'm at, at Rob Steinbuck. Again, that's at Rob Steinbuck, my last name, S-T-E-I-N-B-U-C-H. Follow me on the, on the Twittergram. And so what happened? So we have this law in Texas and we don't have it in Arkansas. Why? Because an alleged conservative, but somebody who is labeled a Republican, he has the label. I can't take that away from him. Killed the bill. Killed the bill. Only one Republican... In the whole legislature, kill that bill. And he's marching around right now, by the way, in a primary up there in Jonesboro, telling you he's pro-Second Amendment, he's pro-guns. Really? Really? You know, that's, I got to tell you, one thing that I can't stand more than anything is hypocrisy and lies. If you want to be a lefty, say you're a lefty. We put on a... By the way, why am I talking about Stand Your Ground? Because the Second Amendment Society at the Bowen School of Law put on a wonderful uh, panel discussion last week. By the way, uh, the Bowen School of Law, U of A, U of A, Little Rock doesn't sponsor or endorse any of the views necessarily, that is, of the Second Amendment Society or of any of the participants in any conference, etc., And that's just fair to say. We don't want to give false impressions in either directions. So I I think that's actually a good disclaimer. And of course, as many of you know, I teach, uh, but my employer uh, does not necessarily adopt any of my views and I don't speak for my employer. Again, that's just fair to say. So we put on this absolutely wonderful panel discussion. You might be able to find it. uh, uh, There was a news crew there. You might be able to find some of it uh, online right now. And we learned quite clearly that one Republican switched his vote last minute. A crony capitalist in the pocket of big medicine Republican. Not a conservative, folks. Not a conservative. So you decide what you want. If you want conservative values, if you want stand your ground, then you vote for the other guy. Who's the other guy, by the way? The good guy? The guy who supports Stand Your Ground, Dan Sullivan. He was there. He was there. So, Stand Your Ground basically says, between you, the good guy, and the aggressor, guess to whom we should give the benefit of the doubt. Why do I, as 
does a person being attacked have to run away, look around, duck under a table when the aggressor already has the advantage? Folks, you know this from Star Wars, and you know it from everything thereafter. The dark side has the advantage. Why? Because the dark side goes first. Because the dark side is the one that is never surprised. The aggressor is not surprised. He's exercising the aggression. So you're at a disadvantage already, and then New York and Arkansas want you to start ducking under tables, looking around corners. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Zach, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this President's Day morning, 622, 51 degrees outside. Many of you are going to work. I'm filling in for Dave. I'm working later today in my uh, actual job. This is what I do for fun. And I hope we're having a little fun this morning. We were talking before the break. We've got about six minutes and change before we go to our hard break and commercial. And so let's continue our conversation on stand your ground. Because there's a broader point to be made here, friends. And what is that? Stand your ground law is about allowing individuals freedom to defend themselves against aggressors. Unfortunately, we in Arkansas suffer under the same type of pro-criminal, pro-criminal legal regime when it comes to defending yourself relative to stand your ground in that you have to duck under a table, look around a corner, determine whether or not there is an opportunity to avoid the harm being caused by somebody else before you can use deadly force. That's not a pro-freedom environment. That is a leftist environment that sprung up sort of in the, in the 60s and 70s, also before, but that's where we really saw a lot of it, where law enforcement started to be maligned. Self-defense started to be a concept that was diminished. Freedom is the defining characteristic of this country. No other country has greater freedom than we do. That's why, by the way, folks, United States has more people who want to come here than any other country and the fewest number of people who want to leave this country. Because you know why? They can. So they're not here if they don't want to be here. We are the freest country in the world, and yet we have these types of laws, this New York, Bloomberg-based anti-freedom anti-Second Amendment law under current law, meaning we have an absence of stand your ground. You know what John Cooper up there in Jonesboro, he's the one, by the way, that kills stand your ground. You know what John Cooper says? Well, you see, you see, stand your ground's not a Second Amendment law, it's a self-defense law. Put aside that that claim is incorrect. Folks, do you care? Do you care if stand your ground is self-defense or Second Amendment? So here's what John Cooper is doing. He's parsing the legality. He's saying, I don't know what is is. It depends what the meaning of is is. Sound familiar to you, Arkansans? I'm sure it does. By the way, I should say we Arkansans, although I wasn't in Arkansas when that claim was made. 
So John Cooper says to you, oh, stand your ground is self-defense. He admits that point. Oh, but it's not Second Amendment, so who cares? Wait, what? Wait, what? Listen, I'm all about the Second Amendment. I, I uh, participate in the Second Amendment Society uh, that held that conference on Stand Your Ground up at the Bowen Law School recently. But between a notion of a Second Amendment and a fact of self-defense, the latter, the latter's the more important. Self-defense is a key right that you have as a sentient being. You believe in God, that right flows from God. You believe in natural law, that right flows from natural law. You believe in the notion of property over one's individual, that right flows from that notion. No matter what philosophy you have, or no philosophy at all, self-defense is the most basic right you have. And John Cooper says, well, it's only a self-defense law, so that's why I voted against it. My goodness, my goodness, you are now hearing from me, Rob Steinbuck, one of the staunchest advocates of the Second Amendment, and I'm going to tell you a little secret, folks. The right to self-defense is the most important right. The right to self-defense is inherent in the Second Amendment, but it is the most important aspect of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment has broader notions. The right to self-defense... It is more important because guess what? I can I can defend myself with my hands. I can defend myself with a non-firearm-based weapon. So that right is at the core of what it means to be a sentient, a thinking individual. And John Cooper says, well, that's just, that's just a self-defense right. Just a self-defense right. That's like saying, hey, you know, that's just water. So I'm going to take it away. Uh, you can't live without water, folks. And you can't live without the right to self-defense. So when you hear a politician telling you, hey, it's just self-defense. Who cares? Oh, but I'm all about the Second Amendment. Wait, what? Wait, what? You know what that is? That is politico doublespeak. I'm not interested. I'm absolutely not interested in that. I have made it my calling, folks, to defend your right and mine, by the way. I've got my own interest in it as well, to defend yourself. I was recently admitted to the Arkansas Bar. I've been practicing law for years, but since I'm a teacher, I haven't been doing much practice lately, and I didn't practice in the state of Arkansas. But I decided to get admitted. You know, it's paperwork, this kind of thing. So I decided to get admitted. Incidentally, funny little story. So you're, you get a bar number, and the bar number is the year, of course, 2020, dash, and then whatever is the next number in a series. Mine's 007, folks. That's right. License to file a lawsuit. 007. That's the only thing cool about me. 007, everything's cool about. The only thing that's cool about me, the number. The rest, big nerd. I am dedicating my practice of law to self-defense rights and Second Amendment rights. I'm not saying it's the only thing I'm going to do. I also do Freedom of Information Act, by the way. By the way, notice a common theme. Freedom! Freedom! Your freedom! 
because you have to be vigilant against crony bureau hacks trying to take away your freedoms. And I will be there on the front lines, but I need your help, folks. Defending your freedoms, our freedoms, I should say. These are our freedoms. Think about that. We're going to go to a commercial break right now. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck. We have on the line, in fact, Dan Sullivan. Let's go straight to it. Dan, how are you? Hey, Robert. Good. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. As you can tell, I've had more than my share of coffee. We were talking before you joined us about Stand Your Ground. And again, thank you for joining that wonderful panel that we had at the Bowen Law School uh, presented by the Second Amendment Society, which is not endorsed by the school, as we know, nor are any of the participants. Tell me, what is your view on Stand Your Ground? And more importantly, tell us briefly about the race you're in and who you're against relative, in particular, to Stand Your Ground. Well, sure, and it's to uh, look around the nation, and particularly in our region, uh, Arkansas needs certainly to update their law, uh, and we are considered uh, by our surrounding states as one of the only states that doesn't have a particular stand-your-ground bill. I know there are, are a lot of people that say we have an adequate bill right now, but there are also a lot that say we just need to improve that and update it uh, and to uh, have a true stand your ground bill, and I think that's what came out in the meeting, uh, you know, at the Bowen Law School the other day. That there are a lot of things we can do. Um, it's important that we have a stand your ground bill. Um, you know, again, I think the uh, opposition is trying to make uh, trying to make it illegal to defend yourself. Hundred percent, by the way, Dan. Hundred percent. We we've got a law. That is the same law as New York, not any of the states that are surrounding us. Oh, well, nothing against New York. But you know, <laughs> we, we, we here in Arkansas, you know, if anyone has a strong stand your ground bill, it ought to be a conservative state like Arkansas. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we've got some people. You know, I was really impressed with the with the panel the other night, by the way. And I hope folks will take an opportunity to uh, dig out that video and watch that but you know aaron uh pilkington representative pilkington made a great point you know it it is embarrassing for the republican party of arkansas not to have passed that bill i agree we had strong we have strong leadership but uh and that's why it's embarrassing if you have strong uh people that call themselves conservative then we should have been able to get a good stand your ground bill through and I thought, uh, well, Dan, you know, Dan, can I interrupt for a second? The, uh, and I have been critical of some of the Republicans uh, in the legislature before, but I think it's fair to say one Republican, one and only one Republican, not a conservative, by the way, Dan, killed Stand Your Ground. Who might that be? And obviously I'm being slightly facetious with that, but I would like you to answer that question. Well, it's just one of the reasons I'm running against the current Senator Cooper. Uh, you know, John has several votes that I was, uh, and I think conservatives were very disappointed in, whether it's his position on refugees, his position on uh, DACA students, his position on taxes, his position on uh, Bibles in school as an elective. You know, there are any number of uh, reasons I'm running against him, but certainly the Second Amendment is one. 
And, you know, Matt, uh, the gentleman from the NRA, came on Dave's show um, about a week ago and explained very clearly why uh, Senator Cooper received an F from the NRA. And I can't ever remember a sitting senator getting an F from the NRA. Well, I can remember Democrats, but never Republicans. Well, you can. And, and uh, you know, again, I, I think uh, Matt did a really good job at explaining that. And one of the reasons that, that John apparently called the NRA and asked, or Senator Cooper called the NRA and said he had a strong vote or you know, had a strong record with the NRA in years past, and why did he get an F for one vote? Well, you know, when you, when you collaborate with Moms Demand Action, uh, when you collaborate with that, that group of people, a very activist group, then, uh, you know, the NRA, and I'm proud of the NRA for stepping up and taking such a strong stand against uh, Senator Cooper for working with the Moms Demand Action instead of working with uh, the NRA. Another point I think Representative Pilkington made was that John really kind of refused to work with him. And uh, Senator Cooper has another position. Uh, he says he tried, but according to Representative Pilkington and Senator Ballinger, there wasn't much effort on his part to work through some of those issues. And, and by the way, Dan, if I can interrupt for a second, Aaron Pilkington, the state rep who was the co-sponsor of Stand Your Ground, you will see if you watch any of this panel discussion from the Bowen Law School, this guy is the most reasonable-sounding, moderate, uh, sort of calm individual. He ain't me. This guy is real easy to get along with. So the notion, the notion that that Pilkington wouldn't work with Cooper rather than the other way around is beyond implausible. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't sound right. And I know Aaron, I've, I haven't worked with him much on any bills, but I know he's run some really good legislation in his time at the House. And one thing he has a reputation of is working with as many people uh, that want to work with him as he can get. You know, Aaron, uh, as you say, is a very calm guy. He's stern and he's firm, but he will, uh, he does want to get his bills passed. And he's willing to work with anyone and everyone to do that. So that was very disappointing. Uh, you know, the problem I think that Senator Cooper has uh, with the NRA is the problem that he's had with, with the whole conservative side. You know, when Senator Cooper says, well, it was just one vote, well, it was just one vote uh, on seven tax bills. It was just one vote on In God We Trust in the schools. It was just one vote uh, on a number of things. It's just one vote in favor of Obamacare. In one vote in favor of Obamacare. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, when you add up one uh, 10 or 12 times, then it's very difficult for Senator Cooper now to convince the people up in Craighead County, where both of us serve, uh, it's very difficult to convince the conservatives uh, that you are a conservative. So the senator has had a very difficult time uh, uh, with the conservative side. And, uh, you know, of course, early voting starts tomorrow. So I hope all your listeners will get to the polls. And, of course, if they know Craighead County, I hope they'll encourage them to go vote. Well, I certainly do. I, as you know, Dan, part of the beauty of the democratic process but part of the challenge is 
We've got to make sure all the folks who do, in fact, support you, who do, in fact, support the Second Amendment, who do, in fact, support the right to self-defense, understand that that outcome, you winning that election, won't spring up out of the ground like a mushroom. They've got to get up, go over to the polling places, and vote for Dan Sullivan. That's what I would do if I lived in Craighead County, I assure you. So, Robert, this is also of a watershed election up here in Craighead County. You know, whether or not we're going to, uh, it will define the Republican Party up here. That's right. I think the Republican Party across the state has started moderating uh, in some ways that I'm not very comfortable with. Um, You know, I'm all for working across the aisles. I'm all for working with other people. And, of course, the bill that uh, you worked with me on, the uh, uh, free speech on college campus, is an excellent example of people working across the aisle. Uh, That, you know, that was uh, we did a lot of that with the Democrat Party. So I'm all favorable to that. Of course. Republican Party shift further, uh, I wouldn't even say past center with some of the people. Uh, it's time that we define that. And it's not the party leadership that defines the party. It's the vote of the individual voter that defines the party. If we're going to continue to let uh, people like John, who uh, work more with the Democrats than they do with the Republicans, uh, and the voters don't step up, and then after the election, the voters say, well, our Republican Party is not standing strong anymore. It's because we continue to reelect people and elect people who are not strong conservatives. A personal pet peeve of mine, Dan, and I mentioned this before you came on, is when people are not honest, when people are hypocrites, when people are liars. And so here's my problem with John Cooper. My problem is not that he votes like a liberal. Because you know what? I like Joyce Elliott very much. She doesn't vote like a liberal. She is a liberal. And she votes in a liberal fashion. And there's nothing wrong with that in terms of her own commitment to her own beliefs. I don't support her votes because I think she's wrong on the policy. But the beauty of this great country of ours is you're allowed to be wrong. And I believe she's wrong. And I believe, of course, John Cooper's wrong. The difference between Joyce Elliott My friend Joyce Elliott and John Cooper is John Cooper keeps telling you he's a conservative. John Cooper keeps telling you that he's pro-Second Amendment. John Cooper keeps telling you that he's anti-Obamacare. And he votes exactly the opposite way. That is a hypocrite. It's really uh, incredible to see the mailers that go out. I don't know if it's it's happening in your district or uh, the listeners' district, but you know, Senator Cooper is sending out mailers that say that exact thing. I am pro Second Amendment. Uh, yet he got an F from the NRA. Uh, you know, I am pro whatever it might be. I'm against Obamacare. I'm against Obamacare. But well, he's voted to uh, pass that legislation time after time. But, you know, if you say it enough times and people really don't take the opportunity to be informed and they don't uh, do a little bit of research, then uh, – the voters really just believe what they see. So, you know, I think our voters really need to get out there and, and research the record. That's what we've done. We've tried to send out, instead of vote for me, I'm against this or I'm for that, we send out specific bills. Here's the bill, and here's how J- Senator Cooper voted. Here's how Dan Sullivan voted. Uh, and we, we're getting really good response to that. In fact, Senator Cooper kind of co-opted my tagline. Ha! My tagline. 
be who you say you're going to be and do what you say you're going to do. And Senator Cooper's uh, last ad in the local paper up here, um, you know, he uh, co-opted my tagline and said he's done what he says he's going to do. So I don't know if I can, if that's, uh, if I can do anything about that. But if that's what voters expect, they expect us to do what we say we're going to do. That's right. Be who we say. Just be honest. That's exactly right. And and he's not being. And that's really the tragedy of all of this. He's not being honest with the voters up there in Craighead County. And that's really what gets under my skin. As you know, when we had this panel discussion at the Bowen Law School presented by the Second Amendment Society, we had a bunch of folks, as it turned out, who were pro-stand-your-ground law. We tried to get some folks who were anti, and we just couldn't coordinate the schedules. It wasn't as if they refused to show up necessarily. I can't speak to every one of them, but I know some folks who are on the left simply couldn't make it. So why do I mention that? I mention that to highlight that those folks are honest about their position. They would come out, they would say they're against Stand Your Ground. They would come out and they would say they are in favor of the so-called assault weapon ban. They are in favor of limiting the capacity of magazines for firearms. They are in favor of limiting your access to guns. They are in favor of requiring delays before you can buy a gun, even if you pass the background check. I'm not talking about non-passing background check. I'm saying if you pass a background check, there are plenty of those who think, oh, you got to wait 30 days. Wait, what? So those folks on the left who will bring in a later panel, I'm sure, because I love to have the discussion would state that outright and say, listen, I'm not about guns. That's what they would say. But when you claim to be pro-Second Amendment, when you claim to be pro-self-defense, and then you vote against, stand your ground, you're voting, then your actions demonstrate one thing. You want that title and maybe that modest paycheck of being state senator, but nothing else. You do not want to serve the people of Arkansas. You do not want to serve the people of Craighead County. But then again, I remember I just saw on on uh, John Cooper's website, come over there to the country club. We're having a country club fundraiser at the country club. Have I emphasized country club? Yes. And why? Because he's a country club Republican. I don't mind folks who go to a country club, but I do mind those who are ensconced in the idealism of being above others. And the phrase country club captures exactly that. And that's what John Cooper is all about. Dan, hold the line for a moment. We're going to take a quick break and hopefully have you back for just a few more minutes before we top off the hour. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this President President's Day morning, 6.52 a.m., 51 degrees outside. We are talking with state rep from Jonesboro, Dan Sullivan. Dan, I wanted to talk to you about this sort of overlap. Think, now think about this. Take all this in. Uh, the f- the folks that are supporting John Cooper or Mo- Moms Demand Action, that's an anti-gun group. We know that. And by the way, for them, they are honest in their beliefs. They will tell you they are anti-gun. Who are they supported by? They're supported by Bloomberg out of New York because he's anti-gun. Again, he ain't lying about it. He's legitimately anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment. 
Where is the overlap? The overlap is Bloomberg is also pro-big medicine. If you heard a, a quote of his recently, he was... It was said a while ago, but it came out just the other day. He said, well, if you're 92 years old and you have prostate cancer, we're going to say, go home. There's nothing we want to do for you. He, he actually said, there's nothing we can do for you. But if you're, say, 35, we'll treat the heck out of you. Wait a second. Medicine is medicine. We can treat the 92-year-old. But when you're all about socialism, you're all about the big powerful folks deciding who lives, who dies, who has the right to self-defense, who doesn't have the right to self-defense, who has their own uh, um, military protecting them, their own police force protecting them, their own private guards protecting them. And so Bloomberg is in bed with big medicine. Bloomberg is in bed with anti-gun groups. And those anti-gun groups are supporting John Cooper. And guess who else is supporting John Cooper? Big medicine. Pro-Obamacare, big medicine. What do you have to say about that? Did I lose you, Dan? I think we lost Dan. Yeah, we lost Dan. But anyway, we'll try to get him back uh, before the top of the hour. But this is the point that I'm making. That when we have these individuals who are... uh, Do we have Dan back on the line? Yeah, let's put Dan back in. Dan, did you catch what I was saying? I think we lost him again. We've got some technology problem, folks. And for someone like me, those of you that don't know me, uh, that means uh, turning on a car or a light switch. I'm no technology fan. Uh, I don't hate it. I'm just not good at it. In any event, my point is, if you're going to vote for a conservative, don't just think that because someone is running on a Republican ticket, he's a conservative or she's a conservative. It just ain't true. It's unfortunate. I wish there was truth in advertising and politics as well as many other aspects of our life. But it's just not the case. It is just not the case. So we will see. Oh, I think I hear some static in the background. Is that you, Dan? I'm back on. We're back on, baby. I don't know if you heard what I was saying, but I was saying that in addition to uh, John Cooper being supported by the Bloomberg-backed Moms Demand Action anti-gun group, he is equally backed by the Bloomberg-backed Big Medicine pro-Obamacare. It's really kind of remarkable that he, that is John Cooper, has all of these Bloomberg-backed organizations backing him. What do you You have to say about that? Go ahead. Listen, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, there's a full-page ad in the Jonesboro Sun, our local paper, uh, that the Arkansas Medical Society took out. Uh, and they have a number of doctors, certainly not a majority, but they have some doctors listed there that are supporting John. And you know, people need to understand that when these, these doctors are not only supporting Senator Cooper, they are supporting um, his F in, from the NRA. They're supporting people in the Bloomberg group and the Moms Demand Action. These same doctors are supporting uh, tax increases. They're supporting a guy who um, you know, voted not to have the Bible in school. They're supporting a guy who supports refugees coming in. They're supporting all these things. To me, the Arkansas Medical Society is very self-serving. Uh, they know that if elected, I'm going to come in there. Uh, and stand for the people and push some reforms forward that they don't like, like scope of practice issues, like telehealth, uh, 
You know, so to me, it's just very self-serving for the American Medical Society to jump in this race. In fact, I don't know if I've ever seen them jump in to this extent to take out a full-page ad. Uh, we also had a full-page ad in the paper, uh, and our ad talked about our votes. It talked about what I stand for. It talks about the votes I had on different issues. Uh, John can't do that, nor can the American Medical Society uh, stand behind John's vote. So I would ask the Medical Society, are they uh, happy in supporting a guy who got an F from the NRA? I'll take it even further, Dan, if I may. The AMA supports Obamacare because the AMA is good for big medicine and big taxation, but it ain't good for you and me. Because guess where they're taking that money from? From us. And then people like Bloomberg say, well, you know, if you're over a certain age and you get prostate cancer, go home and die. Go home and die. By the way, you think Bloomberg's going home and die? Going home to die? No. If he couldn't get the care in America, he would fly to some other country and use his $65 billion to get the private care that he wants. And I want the same level of care. And I don't need some rich, elitist Northeasterner. And by the way, I'm a Northeasterner. I don't ri- need some rich, elitist Northeasterner saying, well, guess what, folks? You don't get to live because I've decided to take your money and give it to somebody else for my own political ends. I'm not interested in it. And by the way, where's that money going? That money's going to the AMA, to doctors, to big medicine, to anti-gun groups, to Moms Demand Action. That's where the money's going. Dan, as you might be able to hear, the music is playing. It's like I'm on stage getting an Oscar and they're waving me off. Can you believe they're waving me off? But I'll tell you this. If you live up in Craighead County, you better get out to vote. If you think your rights are being uh, protected, the only way they're being protected is if you get out and vote. With that, Dan, thank you very much. And to the commercials, we go. Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave on this President's Day morning, 7.06, almost 7.07 a.m., 51 degrees here in Little Rock. Follow me on the Twitter gram at Rob Steinbuck at, excuse me, folks, at Rob Steinbuck on the Twitter gram. We are honored and privileged to have on the line with us another excellent conservative state rep, and that's state rep. Mark Lowry. Mark, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, especially after listening to you for the last hour. Well, that's very kind of you You, to say. You're fired up. I am fired up. I am fired up because I believe in conservative values. I respect those that disagree. I'm not a big fan of those who claim to be conservatives and are not. Or, by the way, those who claim to be liberals and are not. I don't like a wolf in sheep's clothing. I like a wolf and I like a sheep and I like to know what they are, plain and simple. And I know you are a good conservative. Mark, tell the listeners 
of Dave's show, where your district is, since you're a House rep, you're up for re-election, right? Because every all the House reps are up for re-election. Do I have that right or do I have that wrong? Every yes, the right. every representative's up. We have two year terms. Right. Where where and where's your district? My district, it's District Thirty Nine, which is primarily uh, Maumel uh, and parts of uh, other parts of Northwest Pulaski County, which would be Oak Grove, uh, Marche, Morgan, and then I've got a, a little bit of North Little Rock, just outside the Camp Robinson area, uh, the Amboy uh, area, but primarily Maumel. That's a fantastic area. Of course, a lot of folks that work in Little Rock, a lot of folks that work with me uh, live over in the Maumel and related areas. So these are contiguous, shall we say. I don't mean that necessarily literally, albeit maybe it's true. These are all part of one greater region. And so your votes are as representative of the people in Little Rock, as they are the people in Maumel and the related areas, this is all kind of a a big stew, isn't that fair to say? Well, that that's correct, especially when we look at education policy. Uh, you know, with this this law ongoing, what is it, thirty plus year DSEG lawsuit that involved uh, all three school districts. I think now Pulaski County is the only one that has not achieved unitary status, uh, but there's just been a lot of interconnection. Uh, on all of that and uh, continues to be. And, and as serving on the education committee, I, I get to hear a lot about it. It's very, very disconcerting. Indeed. You know, of course, I'm a teacher. I uh, teach law and education is a passion of mine. And so I really do appreciate your service on that committee. In fact, you, you're running for reelection for, is it, is it your fifth term? Yes, be my fifth term. I was first elected in 2012. That's wonderful. Here's one thing that I've always said. There's a balance that we need in politics. I believe in term limits, but not too short, because then you get rid of the experience. So if you have an environment, as we do in Arkansas, where there are term limits, and you like the person who's in office. Now, that's critical. And by like, I mean, I don't care if you want to go to coffee with him. He's doing the right thing for you. He's doing the right thing for your district. Then all else being equal, having someone with a couple few terms under his or her belt is of significant advantage to those people in that district because you know how the system operates. You know how to pass bills. You know how to kill bad bills. You know how to get things done. So since I am a big fan of what Mark Lowry does in the legislature, and then I find out that Mark Lowry has several terms under his belt, that's even more reason to vote for him. I think that's, and this is, of course, all about balance. I don't want any candidate to be in the legislature for 30 years. I think it's too long. But we have... Actually, a fairly tight, fairly tight term limits. So that's, there is no risk of over-serving. There is a risk of not keeping our good elected officials in office long enough. And so that's why I think it's critical. This is my personal opinion, but I'm happy to share it. I think it's critical that for candidates like you that have demonstrated their conservative values, we make an extra effort to re-elect you because I think there tends to be some level of complacency. What are your thoughts on that general paradigm? Well, I, I appreciate that, and I uh, totally agree. It, uh, 
the institutional knowledge uh, is necessary in the legislature. Uh, frankly, one of the things that you're up against is that uh, the bureaucrats and the various the executive branch agencies, they don't have term limits. And they're able to stay around. And, and frankly, I've just seen numerous times where uh, I've, I have been a, a lead sponsor of legislation that took two to three years to implement because of the bureaucracy. And, you know, if you don't have that institutional knowledge that understands uh, that there are uh, mid-level people, I think, uh, I think uh, Governor Hutchinson has done a very good job as far as his cabinet level uh, uh, executive team. Uh, but the mid-level people, you know, they, they'd like to drag their heels. And uh, so and this is especially true in education policy. Uh, I, I joke, but it's actually very true. My first term, uh, the first orientation that we were given in the education committee was being handed four pages of acronyms that we would need to understand in discussing education policy. Uh, and, and, you know, that that in, in and of itself can be intimidating. You know, what, what does this mean? A, AEA, AAEA? ASBA, you know, uh, so I've been able to filter through that to, and uh, dig deep, especially on school finance issues and uh, school choice issues. I've been at the lead on that. I've been the lead proponent for homeschooling legislation. So I'm very proud of the, the uh, term of office that I've been able to serve. You know, Mark, I really believe you, you've highlighted an important issue that I want to expound upon briefly and that is you get this four page sheet of acronyms and they tell you you got to know these things that is a tactic by bureaucrats bu- bureau hacks they come in as you say with no term limits they come into the legislature and they tell you this is the way things operate these are the things you need to know let us inform you let us educate you and really what often, not entirely, but what often motivates these bureau hacks is getting more taxpayer dollars, continuing their bureaucratic, bureau hack-like reign over how our system of government actually operates. Because they're the people that operate the government and to make sure that they have reduced work. I remember when a bunch of bureau hacks showed up to the legislature <clears throat> And started to campaign for limiting the Freedom of Information Act. Remember, the Freedom of Information Act is exactly the law that allows the citizen to write a letter, make a phone call, send an email, and request records of the bureau hacks. And the bureau hacks literally came to the legislature and said, well, you see, you see, that's a lot of work for us. And that's not our job. They're defining what their job is. The legislature defined what their job is when they passed the Freedom of Information Act 52 years ago. And now these folks are saying, well, that's not our job. So we've got to get the direction of that arrow back in order. And the direction of the arrow is the citizens elect the politicians, the elected officials, people like you, and you direct the bureau hacks. And when that arrow switches directions, that's when we have You know what we have? We have a system like the Soviet Union, where the bureaucracy rules the day. And I, for one, will not tolerate. I, for one, will speak out on the radio. And I know... 
people like you, Mark, now particularly with the added experience that you have, will push back and have pushed back on that. So we need to be ever vigilant on that point. You know what, Mark? Now that I've given my little speech, let's hold the line for a minute. Can you hold over during a break and we'll bring you back after the break? Absolutely. Absolutely. Terrific. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Monday morning at 719 a.m., 51 degrees here in The Rock. And we have on the line State Rep Mark Lowry. Mark, what are the big issues of your constituents right now? Well, I, th- I think uh, uh, staying the course on, on tax cuts, uh, there, you know, there's been a lot of talk in some other races about whether there have been net tax cuts when you also have to look at some of the taxes that have been increased. And I think uh, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that, uh, you know, I recognize that, you know, we shouldn't be take, uh, giving tax cuts with one hand and then taking, taking them away with the other. And we've done that on some of the road taxes. Uh, yes. I, I oppose the uh, uh, continuing of the half cent that's going to be uh, going before uh, the voters. Exactly. December, mainly because it puts it into the Constitution and it continues on in perpetuity. I've never uh, heard of is- such a thing, if I may interrupt, Mark, that they want to put in the Constitution a permanent tax for highways, and the argument goes something like this by those in favor. Well, you see, we need to ensure that we have road funding, so we got to put it in the Constitution. What's happened in the last 150 years? I will grant you 150 years out, the roads were not what they are now. But what about 50 years ago? What about 30 years ago? We didn't have roads then? We didn't have it in the state constitution that they are picking our pockets. By the way, they say a half cent, a half cent on every dollar. It's not, if you want a half cent, I'll give you double that. I'll give you a penny right now. If you cap it at that as the total, but it's a half cent every time I spend a dollar. That adds up. So it's really offensive when I hear these folks saying it's only a a half cent. You know what? It's sort of like when somebody tells you it's minor surgery. You know what the definition of minor surgery is? When you're having it, not me. If I'm having it, it ain't minor. What do you think of that? Well, exactly. And, of course, my my concern also is that you are, you know, locking in these tax increases uh, and and the, the money that is spent on these highways there's really no legislative oversight. The uh, Department of Transportation is totally independent. Uh, you know, I'm greatly concerned in my district, Highway 365, the old Conway Highway, uh, from the North, North Little Rock City limits to Interstate 40. That road is in drastic need of resurfacing. Uh, it's become rutted through a lot of construction traffic. Uh, when there's rain, and especially if it's freezing rain, uh, becomes extremely hazardous, and we've not been able to get the Department of Transportation to be responsive in taking care of that. So at that point, the only the only uh, mechanism or the only hammer the legislators have is to say, well, then fine, we're not going to pass the increase. I'm not going to vote for uh, the motor fuel increase, the diesel fuel increase, and uh, so I, I just think we you know we need to be upfront. Transparent. I'm not sure the Department of Transportation is always completely transparent in terms of their decision making 
of what they see as a priority project. You know, Mark, you have educated me right now. And I, I, as an educator myself, I love to learn. I mean that sincerely. And I had not thought about really the brilliant point that you bring, bring out. If you put a fuel tax in the Constitution, you've bypassed the legislature. You've said to these bureau hacks, unelected bureau hacks, here's your money. Have at it. You know what the worst thing for government is? Because the worst thing for the people is you have an entity that can pick your pocket and has no responsibility. What's the oversight? What's the control over the bureau hacks if they're guaranteed money out of my pocket every single day? You can't vote it down. As a state legislature and a state legislator, both, if there is a constitutional provision that funnels my money directly into a bureaucracy, what control over that bureaucracy exists? Well, absolutely correct. And I I have been accountable. I've gone before my city council, and I've explained to them why uh, I've voted against the motor fuel tax increase which I know is, you know, there's turn back funds on that. But the thing is, the people of the city of Maumelle voted themselves uh, a half cent sales tax already to pay for a major infrastructure need, which is the third exit uh, that comes off of uh, uh, Maumelle Boulevard, comes out uh, at Interstate 40, uh, where the old rest area is. And that, that uh, half cent sunsets. When that bond is paid off, my argument has been, listen, the people of Maumel and Northwest Pulaski County have taxed themselves to take care of their main infrastructure need. The highway department really did very little in terms of providing financial resources for that infrastructure. And um, so I'm very, you know, I'm very proud of that vote, uh, mainly because I think uh, when you're talking about motor fuel taxes or you're talking about a half cent tax, you are most affecting those who uh, can least afford it. That's right. That, th- those taxes are regressive. That's right. Uh, and, you know, my, my concern has been that, you know, in this last legislative session, we did give a lower income tax cut, but then we turned around and put an increase on on gas. On right. So fuel. where we've given with one hand, we've taken away with the other hand. And That's exactly it, right. It's really remarkable how the lefties claim to be progressive, and yet every tax increase they make seems to be regressive. Here in Little Rock, your good neighbor, Little Rock, our leftist mayor is pushing for a sales tax. Who does sales tax affect most? It affects poor people. Why? Because they spend virtually all of their money in transactions. They buy food. They buy gas. They buy services. Rich people only spend a portion of their income and they save or invest the rest because they have more income. So what you have is an effective tax rate higher on the poor people than you do on the rich people. And, of course, our local lefty mayor here wants to use that money to build some, I don't know, golf courses or, or, or play parks or water parks. I don't know. And I don't care. It's enough with the taxation. I'm so tired of being laden down and then people looking down their noses at conservatives saying, well, you just don't want to help this person and you just don't want to help that person. You know what? 
Charity starts at home. And when you put a gun to my head and tell me I have got to start doing X, Y, and Z, that ain't charity. That's big government telling you how to live your life. I'm so proud of you for standing up against this bureaucracy and this point that you brought out, just this wonderful, insightful point that you brought out, that this gas tax that they want to put in the Constitution is a way to grow government and decrease accountability at the same time. I can envision no worse an outcome than that. Mark, when, tell us when's the election? What you know? Are you in a, a primary race? Are you in a general race? Are you both? Tell, tell us what's going on with your position. No, I, I'm not in a primary race. I, I will have the Republican nomination, but I do have a Democrat opponent. Uh, the Democrats uh, like to send candidates after me, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess I, I wear that as a badge of honor. Sure, uh, they. You know, don't like the fact that I was the lead sponsor of the voter ID law, which we now have in the state of Arkansas. Good for you. Uh, I've been the lead proponent of uh, uh, homeschooling and, and supporting, uh, you know, the ability for homeschool students Amen. to participate in extracurricular activities at their local schools. Uh, for school choice is something that I'm uh, uh, extremely proud of working with. We have a great charter school. Uh, out here in Maumelle, and I have done everything I can to also to support the charter movement. So these are the issues that we're going to be talking about. I, you know, I w- am a product of public schools. I'm not trying to hurt the public schools Gosh, by supporting no. school choice, but I am in favor of more accountability. And so one of the things I did uh, uh, passed legislation uh, several terms back that places a cap on how much school districts can put into reserves. Can I I cut in just for a second, Mark, because we've got less than a minute. I just want to emphasize your last point, which is school choice is about individual rights. It's about taxpayer rights. I am a product of public schools as well, up from the Northeast, by the way. But And I like public schools, but why shouldn't I, as the one who's paying for those public schools, be entitled to choose amongst the public schools? Or... To withdraw some portion, not all of it, some portion of my money if I decide to opt out of that system. I don't like bureaucrats telling me what to do. And that's why people like you, we need to ensure that your expertise, your knowledge, and most importantly, your true conservative values are continue to be represented inside the legislature because we've got too many phony conservatives under the label of Republican who are in the legislature. Well, as usual, Mark, I've droned on past what I wanted to, so I'm going to wish you a a, a good luck and thanks, and we're going to go to a commercial right now. Thank you, Robert. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. It's 7.34 in the morning here in Little Rock, 51 degrees. And to my pleasant surprise, I knew we were going to be talking with David Ray. I didn't know he'd be in the studio with us. David, welcome early in the morning to the 101.1 The Answer studio. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. It looks like you're on your third or fourth cup of coffee this morning. Oh, I got to tell you, I'm wired today. (laughs) Now, being on Dave's show wires me up already. But in addition, we are talking about some really critical topics. And first of all, as I always try to do with all elected officials who come in, tell us about, uh, well, you're soon to be, I believe, elected official. Let's hope we can get out the vote and get everybody supporting you. Where you're running, what are you running for? Uh, um, you know, what's the what's the state of play? 
Absolutely. So I'm seeking the Republican nomination in Arkansas House District 40. District 40 has been represented for the last eight years by State Rep Doug House, who's retiring and not running again. And it's the district is part Pulaski County, half uh, part Faulkner County. So it's the northern part of Pulaski County, the easternmost portion being Highway 5 outside of Cabot. And it just runs along the northern uh, part of the county all the way over to Maumelle, which is where I live. Uh, with my wife, Jessica, our two-year-old daughter, and our six-week-old son, William. Congratulations, Thank as we you. say up in New York, mazel tov. <laughs> And then uh, the district also encompasses all of Mayflower. It encompasses... That has my favorite place. You know what yeah, that is. the gun range. That's it. It encompasses uh, the southern the southern rural part of Faulkner County, and it gets a lot of the area around Highway 64 between Conway and Valonia, and even goes up north of that into you know Sunny Gap Road, uh, Lower Ridge Road, Ackland Gap. Pickle, and stop short Gap. of Conway? Yes, it yeah. doesn't go into the city property. Got it, so, got it. So that's the area. And, and you know, um, for folks that aren't familiar with my background, I'm the chief of staff to our lieutenant governor, Tim Griffin. I've worked hand-in-hand hand with him for several years on a lot of issues that are important to conservatives. I've also been a senior advisor to Senator Tom Cotton, um, worked with him to help defeat liberal Senator Mark Pryor that cast the deciding vote for Obamacare and put liberal judges like Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan on the Supreme Court. Um, we thankfully got him out of office. Amen. And, um, you know, have also run a statewide conservative organization, Americans for Prosperity Arkansas. Great organization, Which by I the know way. you're familiar with. Absolutely. Where we focused on expanding economic freedom and individual liberty. And so, you know, the Here's the deal, Rob, as you know, everybody that runs in a Republican primary talks about being conservative. That's right. And everybody's a conservative on their campaign mailers. Right. But, Let's see how they vote. But as you know, when folks get elected, they don't always follow through on that promise. And so, um, you know, the difference in this instance is I have a proven track record. That's right. You know, I've never held elected office before. I've never been a politician. But you worked enough with them. But I have I have a demonstrated record of working to elect conservatives to higher office. Uh, I've have have a demonstrated record of working to cut um, burdensome government regulation and save taxpayer money by rooting out and eliminating waste. I have I have a proven track record of fighting against tax increases and. Um, you know, frankly, that's the that's the key issue in our race. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a news story. I think I uh, tweeted it. Uh, I'm at at Rob Steinbuck on the Twitter gram, as I like to call it. Uh, I tweeted it where the, this is the Dem Gaz and the Dem Gaz described you and described your opponent and quoted you and quoted your opponent and your opponent quite openly albeit running in the Republican primary, quite openly said, well, I think there are some good places for tax increases, for having tax, more taxes. And I got to tell you, it's not that I'm against the notion of taxation. Government runs on taxation. But what I am against is this false claim that we are not already overtaxed. We got to dial it back. And when some bureau hack tells me, well, we need more money for this and we need more money for that, my response is, suck it up. Because when I look at my paycheck, and more importantly, when I remember growing up with my parents, they looked at the money coming in, and they may do with that money. And I'm tired of government not making do and saying, you shall have less so that we can have more. This is the problem with the philosophy of lefties, as well as so-called conservatives who want to raise your taxes. Well, and here's the deal. I've, I have actually been accused of focusing too much on taxes in this race. 
But <laughs> I, my, my response to that is somebody needs to be caring about it That's because right. Arkansas is one of the highest tax states in the country. We're tied for the highest sales tax of any state in the country. Let that sink in. Number one, there's a lot of categories you aspire to be number one in. <laughs> exactly. Highest taxes is not that category. That ain't it. And we have some of the highest income taxes in the southeast. There's not a category in taxes, where, a major category in taxes, where, where we are truly doing well. And so I've dedicated a lot of time and effort and energy over the last decade to fight tax increases in Arkansas, whether that is um, fighting the sales tax increase that Pulaski County tried to push back in, I believe it was 2016, or the, or the massive property tax increase that was they uh, tried to levy back in 2015, um, the local A&P tax in, Mal, in, in my hometown of Maumelle. Don't get me started with A&P. I fought back against that uh, horrible tax that would be spent by unelected people. Yeah, to advertise for businesses. Basically, it's, they are taking your money to turn around and advertise private businesses. How about this? How about you keep your money, David? I keep my money, and someone opens a business, and they want to advertise. They sure. write a check. They provide a good service, and then they write a check. I agree, and I also worked uh, with the legislature to help enact Governor Asa Hutchinson's $150 million income tax cuts that were passed in the 2015 and 2017 session. I fought against several tax increases at the state level, including uh, a gas tax, increase you know my opponent does have a different view on this she supports the 300 million dollar uh half cent permit making permanent the half cent sales tax in our state constitution it's remarkable can i interrupt for just one second david because we had mark lowry on the line and i always love to learn and i learned something from him he's a bright guy you know and i learned something really insightful from him he pointed out that if you put this half cent per dollar tax in the constitution you bypass legislative oversight you have money that has to be raised has to be spent by the transportation industrial complex and what what do our elected officials get to do nothing a bunch of bureau hacks get to spend more money hire more people buy more flat screen televisions and maybe 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 pave a road or two well and representative lowry is absolutely right about that this is why i'm such a big proponent of using general revenue like 34 other states plus the district of columbia already do to put toward roads and that just makes sense because that's our budget and budgets are about priorities and roads are a core function of government and if you make the if you make the highway department come to the legislature to ask for renewal of their general uh, revenue money i can guarantee you they're going to be more responsive than they are now You know, this is a core notion that distinguishes a free democratic capitalist society from totalitarianism, from the Soviet Union. I've heard people, I I teach, as you know, economics, and people say, well, you know, we have all these car companies competing against each other, and so each one has a layer of bureaucracy, of management, and that seems relatively inefficient to have all these people doing these things. But then you look at the old Soviet Union. You look at the old Czech Republic. They ran their car companies from the government, right? And what did you have in Yugoslavia? The Yugo. Yeah. Now, do you want to be driving a Yugo, or do you want to be driving a Chevy? I'd rather be driving my Ford F-150 out in the parking lot. That's exactly right, because competition and oversight by the citizens is what breeds improvement and complacency is brought about when there is a guaranteed payment to bureau hacks when you walk into a monopoly government controlled organizations are monopolies when you walk into a monopoly and there's no oversight 
and you don't get the service you want, what's your re- recourse? None. 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 And so why, that's why I so appreciate your insight. And, of course, working in all of these layers that you've worked in before, that's the kind of experience that we need in the, in the legislature. I, of course, support candidates who are new to the legislature and those who aren't new to the legislature. But if you are new to the legisla- legislature, it's morning. It's a little hard for me to get all these words out. If you are new to the legislature, I am concerned that candidates need to be well ensconced in the operation of government. You've been working around government for years. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, I do have a, a proven track record and the experience to be effective. You know, for I'll give you just one example. You know, a lot of legislators spend years in the legislature and never pass a law of any major significance. Even as an outsider, uh, an activist working through the process, I partnered with conservative <laughs> legislators to help repeal our state's prevailing wage law. That was a burdensome, onerous government regulation that drove up the cost of public construction projects. Is our basically our mini Davis Bacon law, and by repealing that, we're able to save literally millions of dollars for taxpayers so that we get more bang for our buck when we build you know, a county courthouse or an elementary school or a road or a bridge. And so uh, that's something, you know, that I'm really proud of. And, you know, in the lieutenant governor's office, we've uh, under Lieutenant Governor Griffin's leadership, we've reduced our office budget by more than 15 percent. We cut the number of employees in half. You know, good luck finding another state agency that has voluntarily reduced their budget. That's exactly and has right. cut the number of, you know, of employees in their office. So, you know, I have a that proven track record that I think folks can look at. Well, you've worked hand-in-hand hand with Tim Griffin. You've worked hand-in-hand hand with Tom Cotton. And there's, of course, no dispute that these folks are true conservatives. And you're not the public face because that's not your role right now. But you work hand-in-hand hand with them. So we have a sense of your political philosophy when we look at these true conservatives. And I am so frustrated. I moved from the Northeast to Arkansas, and as I've always said, and I said recently on Twitter, Northeast still has better pizza, but we're supposed (laughs) to have better laws. We have better catfish, though. That's exactly right. I don't even think you can find catfish up in the Northeast. (laughs) Uh, So we're supposed to have the better laws, and for the most part, we we do. And, you know, we're going to take a break in a second, but I want to talk with you about what We talked about when you and others came to the Bowen Law School to talk on a panel about Stand Your Ground. So think about that. Zach, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with David Ray. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck, filling in for Dave on this President's Day morning, 749 a.m., 51 degrees here in Little Rock. In the studio, David Ray running for State House out in, give me the district number again. District 40. District 40. And, of course, my favorite spot there, my bias, is for Mayflower due to that wonderful gun range that you have out there. We, But if, I'm sure the rest of the district is just great as well. We were talking uh, before the break. Uh, we alluded to the fact that you did a wonderful, came with a wonderful group to the Bowen Law School last week to talk about Stand Your Ground uh, legislation, how it failed last session, how hopefully it will pass next session. Talk about that a bit, if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for to preface this conversation, I'll say 
I've re- I'm very proud to have received the highest possible rating from the NRA uh, in my campaign. I am, I'm an A-rated candidate. They don't give A-pluses to non-incumbents, so A is the highest rating I can get. I'm a life member. I've been a life member for as long as I can remember, and I'm a member of Gun Owners of America as well. So I'm a strong supporter of our Second Amendment rights. I do believe, as the Supreme Court affirmed in the Heller decision, that it is an individual right. Amen. Um, and, you know, we had a, a, a great forum about stand your ground. That was a, a law that failed last session. Unfortunately, you know, this was one of the things that motivated me to run for the legislature is that we have, you know, in the House, for example, 76 out of 100 Republicans, and yet not all of them vote like Republicans. Not all of them uphold the principles of our party platform. Exactly. And so, you know, we need more people who will not just talk conservative during election season, but who will vote conservative and lead conservative. So that's one of the big reasons why I'm running. But we talked about stand your ground law, and I think we'll get that done in the next session. And I hope to be elected and be a part of it um, because, you know, as as Senator Ballinger aptly pointed out, this is not a sea change in our law. This is a very narrow – this is this concerns a very narrow portion of our self-defense law regarding duty to retreat. And and I made two points that I think are particularly pertinent on on the duty to retreat, which is one, you know, anyone who finds themselves in a life or death situation where they're being attacked um, is already in grave mortal danger. Okay. So having a duty to retreat basically makes the, the would be victim uh, put the it puts them in a position where they have to wait until, in many cases, until they are almost cornered. Uh, which, ask anybody who's ever taken a self defense class, this is the worst possible of all strategies. Okay, um, before they can respond with lethal force, and as anyone who has taken a self defense course knows, these are interactions where that that only last mere seconds and so even a fraction of a second can mean the difference between life and death and an interaction like that and and the second the second point that i made which i think is even more pertinent is this this moral equivalence where um somehow the the aggressor the the attacker the combatant is on equal footing with the would-be victim is simply repugnant to me you know, David, I, I will concede that earlier in the show, before you came on, I stole that very brilliant point of yours and didn't give you any attribution. Took it all <laughs> for myself. It's okay. But it's brilliant, right? And this is one of those insights when you talk these things through. And that's why I loved having that uh, panel discussion over at the Bowen Law School. Think about it. It's all about balance, right? It's all about how you look at the situation and the way the law exists in Arkansas, in New York, but none of the states that surround Arkansas is that we give the advantage, the advantage to the wrongdoer. Right. And there's over 30 states that have already um, modified the duty to retreat part of their self-defense statute. You know, self-defense is is fundamental to our system of law, That's our right. understanding of the law in America. That's right. I mean, it's one of the most fundamental rights that you have is the right to defend yourself. It's a biblical right. I mean that sincerely. Look in the Bible. Yeah. Your right to defend yourself is in the Bible itself. And there's so many misconceptions about what stand your ground is and what it is not. 
and so many of those are peddled by the national media and by political opponents who by are just Bloomberg? simply right for one who are just simply trying to distort and confuse people it is not a license to kill it's not a way to legalize murder this is regarding self-defense and if you if you act in an offensive manner if you instigate an interaction with someone uh, using a gun this is not a legal defense that you can successfully deploy I that's mean, exactly anybody right. can offer any defense but it will not be successful you know and and uh, people lie about this all the time the the um, George Zimmerman the famous case uh, involving Trayvon Martin in Florida you know that was the stand your ground was not even a legal defense that was employed by George Zimmer uh, and so you know there's so much confusion uh about that which is why we've got to frankly do a better job of of educating lawmakers and the public about it you know margaret one of my favorite quotes is from margaret thatcher it's first you win the argument then you win the vote and a lot of times we try and do the opposite we try and win the vote and then explain to people why it was so good what we did right but if you're going to actually implement something and make real progress you know you've got to do it the other way around right well I was so very impressed, incidentally, with Aaron Pilkington uh, during that presentation as well. He is really a thoughtful and contemplative state rep, and he brought out some salient points. And he also brought out the point, I think you repeated this a, a few moments ago, that he was embarrassed by the Republican Party because we had Repu- a Republican defection on what should be a core notion, self-defense. The right to self-defense and the claim, well, this is not a Second Amendment right. And the truth is, it is, not only is it a Second Amendment right, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, so, oh, oh well, okay. and you'll, and you'll, you know, I'm a big fan of Representative Pilkington. I actually helped get him elected oh, when, he first, when he first ran. And um, you, you'll I'm be, in his corner you'll now. Be, you'll be proud. You'll be glad to learn that both Representative Pilkington and Senator Ballinger have supported me in my election to the house of course so, all good conservatives have. um so i'm i'm excited about that excited to have their help and and you know i'm i am hopeful and optimistic that if we do our job and we educate our fellow uh we educate the folks in the legislature about this you know we can we can get this change enacted in law in 2021 amen and you know look uh, i've made the point all along i uh vote republican I'm a strong supporter of Republicans, but if you have a Republican who is a wolf in sheep's clothing in this context, meaning who votes lefty, who votes liberal, I'm the first to come out and call out those those candidates, those elected officials. This is not about party allegiance. This is about underlying conservative values. And if you don't subscribe to underlying conservative values, you can call yourself a Republican. You can call yourself a Democrat. You can call yourself a banana. I don't care. I support those who represent me. And Dave's listeners do the same thing. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, give, I'll go one step further. You know, there's a lot of folks that run for the legislature because they're popular in their community. They think it would be a good idea, and they don't have those core philosophical underpinnings. If you don't know what you believe before you go down to the Capitol, I can tell you there's a line of people a mile long that are waiting to tell you what you should believe, and those folks don't necessarily have uh, always the best interest of taxpayers in mind. They don't always have the best interest of our constitutional rights in mind, so that's why that's important. That's exactly right, David, and I'll take it even one further step, and that is there are people 
I'm going to let you in a little secret that I've learned. There are people who run for office for their own self-aggrandizement rather than to represent the citizens. Now, I'm being somewhat facetious because I know you know this point, but it's really tragic. It's really tragic when someone runs for office because he wants a title or she wants a title and not because they want to serve the people. And it's you see it in state government. You see it in federal government. But those are the people that we've got to root out. If you don't want to serve the interests of your people, find another job. It's not very complicated. So, David, I hear some music that Zach is turning up to give me the hint that we are coming to an end. That's I want right. To, I want to say, David, thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you so much for what you've done throughout your career pursuing conservative values. Thank you so much for running for the Arkansas House District in, in uh, House in District Number 40. We wish you the best of luck. We know you're going to win that race, and we know you're going to represent Arkansans well. Well, thank you, Rob. I'm only going to win if folks turn out and vote. Early voting does start tomorrow, and then Election Day is March 3rd. You can find me on my Facebook page, and you can also find me at my website, rayforarkansas.com. Remember that, folks. Get out. Vote early. Not often. You can, but... you can vote as early as tomorrow. As early as tomorrow. Get out and vote for David Ray in the Republican primary for Arkansas House District Number 40. what's going on here. This is the Dave Ellsworth Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. It is almost 8.07 a.m. in The Rock, 52 degrees. We've gone up one degree, and we have on the line Bart Hester, State Senator Bart Hester, Majority Leader, but who will be running for pro temp. Bart, I was just talking with David Ray, who sends his warm regards and says he's a strong supporter of yours. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great this morning up here in Northwest Arkansas. What is going on in terms of the state Senate and your position therein? Talk to us about that. Well, you know, you know, currently I'm the majority leader, but uh, in the House and the Senate right now, we've got some uh, leadership races going on that will be, you know, uh, effective for the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, we'll have we'll have those elections during the fiscal session. And so. uh you know, that's uh, uh, that's what we have happening right now. Oh, so that election is coming up now, basically. Uh, in the Senate, we do ours, uh, uh, and, and as does the House uh, during the fiscal session. Uh, anyway, we figure out who the who the Republicans are going to support, and we have always in the Senate side, uh, whoever, you know, regardless of who the two or three or four there are that run, uh, whoever we pick, whoever wins amongst the Republicans, we all line up behind them uh, to make sure that uh, – you know, we choose who's going to be the next uh, pro tem of the Senate. 
Exactly. And and talk to us about what the role of the pro temp in the Senate is. It's kind of a, you know, it's a Latin term. Not many folks out there know exactly what it does. I have remained confused. It's easy to confuse me, by the way. I've remained confused <laughs> between majority leader and pro temp. So talk to us a little bit, a little bit about that. So the, uh, the, the majority leader's role is to to represent, uh, you know, the majority parties, the Republicans in Arkansas. So whatever our issues are, um, uh, that's that's my current role. If you move into the pro temp, your your responsibility is to represent the Senate as a whole, um, you know, to the governor's office or to the House uh, when we have issues that come up, and and so that's that's a, it's a much different role because you're representing everybody, not just the majority party, but clearly you. Uh, uh, you, you don't give up your your personal beliefs or stances. Of course, of course. How long have you been an elected official? Um, I'm I'm closing in on eight years. Good for you. And when is your next election up? So I'll, I'll be on the ballot this November, the same time as our president Donald Trump. Oh, that's a great time to be on the ballot, isn't it? <laughs> it, it feels pretty good. You know, it's certainly in a Republican area where you. Where when when the president's going to bail, you don't have to worry about turnout at all, and uh, we're we're feeling pretty good as things. We're gonna we're gonna do do our job, do what we're supposed to do, and uh, just let the let the people vote. And remind us, as you said, you're up in Northwest, but remind what district is it? <clears throat> and yeah. uh, um, you know, tell us a little about your area. So it's it's District One, and um, it's about a third of Benton County. I have a little bit of Washington County. Uh, you know, we're we've got 40 people a day moving into Northwest Arkansas. And so, you know, I represent like Walmart's in my in, within my district. Uh, and what's what's interesting about it is, uh, I, I heard the other day that uh, you know I'm not representing about eighty thousand people. I'm probably representing more uh, like along a hundred thousand people or more right now because of the growth. Uh, redistricting will line that up some, um, and we'll see what that means uh, here in a couple of years. That's very interesting. Well, of course. I'm a big fan of Walmart. I mean that sincerely. I'm not saying that everything Walmart may have done or does uh, I line up with. I simply don't know. But Walmart, here's what a lot of people don't seem to recognize. Walmart is one of the most significant ways that we have helped poor people. Now, what do I mean by that? It seems a little odd. How does a store help poor people? Because they have ensured low prices and access for individuals across this state, across this country, and across this world to goods that they otherwise would not have had. And this is why conservatives who are pro-capitalist, who are pro business in the sense that they allow business to go out and do their own thing, take their own risks, lose money if they don't do it right, make money if they do do it right without excessively taxing them, help everyone, including poor people. I think not a lot of people make that connection. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you are absolutely right. Uh, They're free market at, at its purest form. And I'll tell you, there, there are so many places in, in Arkansas, around the entire country, that Walmart is, is, is literally their only source if they need uh, food or, you know, aside from maybe a gas station. Uh, you know, Dollar General's making a comeback in some of those areas. But, you know, I, I hear people talking about, oh, I was, I was assigned to an Air Force base, and the only place to get anything within 20 or 30 miles uh, was a Walmart. So they've done a lot for um, what we've heard about uh, people where, where, where there's food insecurity across the country, different things like that. Walmart has really solved a lot of problems uh, uh, and helped our state and community. And that's 
Exactly right, and that's why you see the marketplace as a better mechanism. Nobody claims perfection, but as a better mechanism to address issues just like you raise as food insecurity than long lines from socialist ideals. Bernie uh, uh, said recently, or actually he was quoted previously, but the tape has come out where he said, well, you see, long lines for food are good because the alternative is that Oh, that poor people don't get any food. Wait, what? Wait, what? No. The alternative is that you have a marketplace that provides greater access to all, including the poor. Does that mean everybody gets everything they need? No. That's why we have a social safety net. But people like Bernie, who's a true socialist, wants to take away that competition and therefore lead to food lines. Food lines, apparently, in the minds of people like Bernie, of AOC, uh, as other leftists, other socialists, is a good thing. It's really remarkable to me. It, it is bizarre. And, uh, uh, you know, Senator Sanders is, do, is doing well uh, in this election. I, I I just shudder to think if he's the Democrat nominee. I mean, if there's anything that will say that our president's going to win again, that would be it. Exactly. I, I, in, in all candor, between you, me, and all of Dave's listeners, I hope Sanders wins the primary because, wow, that's going to be easy to crush. I don't think so far any of the Democratic um, candidates are particularly strong. I've said all along that of all the candidates, I think Amy Klobuchar is the most reasonable. I actually think, therefore, she would be the hardest to be. Not necessarily hard, but that's the irony he, here, is that the Democrats keep pushing further and further left. It's going to hurt them in the general. But I'm not here to offer Democrats advice on how to win the general election. I don't want them to win the general election. It's really remarkable. Go ahead. No, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. We, what we see about primaries is people push to the left or the right. When it comes to general, they got to find their way back to the middle and appeal to the independent voter. And uh, Senator Sanders doesn't have it in him to try to find a way to move back towards the independent voter. Yeah, uh, I, he won't do it. He, he's he's got 50 years on record of saying he doesn't care about the independent voter. That's exactly right. He is so far on the left, there's no way you can dig yourself out of the hole. It is reminiscent, by the way, of Bloomberg, right? Bloomberg said, the only way I could run in the Democratic primary is if I changed my views on everything. And sure enough, shortly thereafter, he decided to run in the Democratic primary and changed his views on everything. (laughs) He did. I mean, I've been reading this morning where he was talking about making fun of the farmer. I mean, like anybody can be a farmer. You can dig a hole, put a seed in it, cover it up with dirt. I mean, it didn't take much gray matter to do that. And, man, if that doesn't offend about 80% of the United States, I don't know what will. Indeed. But, uh, he, he, he'll pay for that. Indeed. Well, look, here's the thing. I tried to grow tomato plants last summer and was a dismal failure. Don't tell me that farmers are stupid. <laughs> That's just absolute nonsense and insulting. I mean, dramatically insulting. Farming, by the way, was the internet of its time, meaning it was new age. It used to be, of course, this is hundreds of years ago, people just grew food for themselves. And the notion of of bigger farming was an advance in society, an advance in technology. And now it's become uh, so well 
um, accepted in our society that elitists from the Northeast, mind you, by the way, Bart, I am originally from the Northeast, but there are a lot of elitists from the Northeast who look down their noses at farmers all the time when they go to their fancy restaurants and they swirl their Chardonnays, not realizing all of that is provided by farmers. It's really a bit disgusting. I can't stand elitism. I really can't. I think one can be proud of one's accomplishments, whatever they may be, but don't be a snob about it. Don't be an elitist about it. And here's the thing. When you see true elitism, it's by people who are insecure, people who haven't achieved much, and they've got to find someone else to look down their noses at. It's it's remarkable. Now, I I, I could I could not agree more, and uh, it it's it's offensive the message that he's going to be sending, and, and I'll tell you it's just going to push people uh, who may who may be offended by our president's uh, uh, style a little bit uh, right, right back into his arms, you know, and uh, so that's 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 a good thing. I say let them be elitist if they want to be, because it's uh, it assures our. Uh, uh, our foundation for winning the next election. That's exactly right. I've never seen a party built around one concept, and that's the concept of snarkiness more than the Democratic Party. We should call them the snarkiness party. Bart, hold <laughs> the line for us. We're going to bring you back for one more segment. We're going to go pay some bills, and then we'll talk with you shortly. <laughs> All right. This is Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Monday morning at 8.21 a.m., 52 degrees here in Little Rock. We have on the line with us for another nine minutes or so, Senator Bart Hester, currently majority leader, running for pro temp. Bart, one of the things that I really admire about you and all of the candidates that I support is your strong and committed belief in both the Second Amendment and the right to self-defense. So I'd like you to say a few words of that. We had a wonderful, on that, we had a wonderful conference up at the Bowen Law School recently through the Second Amendment Society in which we discussed the Stand Your Ground Bill. What can you tell us about your views on the Second Amendment, self-defense, and Stand Your Ground? Well, I, I you know, I, um Clearly, it's 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 not a recommendation. It's not an option. It wasn't a suggestion uh, in our Constitution for an individual to have the right to keep and bear arms, and and so many, you know, there's so many reasons reasons for that. I mean, yeah, it's sportsman, yeah, it's hunting, but uh, the reality is, it's 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 for personal defense and to to prevent a tyrannical government from uh, coming over one day. You know, there's there's a reason we haven't turned into uh, you know China or Iran. Uh, you know, the people the people of uh, America have the right to defend themselves. And, uh, you know, as those issues come up um, uh, in the legislature all the time, you know, there's always a lot of arguments why we should or shouldn't do things. Uh, at the end of the day, you, you, bet, you better side with the people and their freedom. Um, uh, they, can always, they can always give you a reason why there's inherent risk. But I always say with inherent, uh, with an inherent freedom, with the more freedom you have, there's more risk. Uh, but, uh, but the people of America and our foundation is born on uh, freedom. You know, it's a wonderful point, and it's a subtle point that you bring out there, and I really admire it, which is we're not claiming that there's no risk with Second Amendment rights. What we're claiming is all of the evidence supports the fact that that risk is lower than and mitigates the fact that we, with our Second Amendment rights, can defend ourselves. And so we look at the church shooting down in uh, Texas recently. 
where a crazy guy comes in, pulls out a shotgun, kills two people, and a good guy with a gun shoots the bad guy. So tragically, two people are dead. But do you believe that more people would have been dead uh, without uh, uh, that good guy with a gun? I do. Uh, Absolutely. Right? And so when we talk about risk, the risk we talk about is could it have been possible for that good guy to have shot a bunch of innocent people? Theoretically, absolutely. That's the risk we're talking about. But then the question becomes, does that risk manifest? And we have never... Never seen an incident in which a good guy with a gun at a potential mass shooting or at an actual mass shooting killed an innocent person. How many times? Never. So the recognition of the risk and equally the recognition that it has never materialized in harm is why it's a sophisticated view notwithstanding how the elitists and the lefties look down at us as conservative as a bunch of gun-toting crazies. What do you think about that? Man, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to, to say you're a gun-toting crazy because you want to you want to defend your family, I'll tell you, uh, that, you know, they say that there, there's no atheist in a foxhole. I mean, the reality is when, when a mass shooter opens up and you're, you're in a room or a church and there's no one with a gun, uh, there, there's no atheist uh, at that point either. And, and I guarantee you those people are hoping there's a good guy with a gun sitting there when, uh, when something tragic opens up. Amen. Pun intended. And so this is, this is the, the tragedy of the left. By the way, people like Bloomberg, who's got his own private security surrounding him at all times. Hey, you know what, Bart? I might not be so vehemently pro self-defense and pro second amendment i think i would be by the way but let's say say for argument i might not be so vehement in my support to individual rights of self-defense if i had my own little security detail backing me up well then i'm (laughs) safe and i gotta be honest with you while i truly am concerned with the safety and welfare of everyone in society I pay more attention, at least, to my safety and the safety of my family. And as should everyone. Because if we pay attention to our own safety and the safety of our families, then we create these pockets of safety everywhere in society. So it's the elitists looking down our noses if we're farmers. It's the elitists looking down our noses when we want to exercise the right to self-defense. When they benefit from our actions that really drive me crazy. Bart... What is your stance in particular on the stand your ground law? I think I know it based on what you've said, but let's talk about that law in particular or bill. Well, yeah. So, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. And, and here's the reality. I, I, um, you know, I would have supported that bill should it should it have came to the floor. Um, I'll tell you that that one in particular was very interesting in that, um, you know, normally our law enforcement stay out of. Um, uh, these, but you know, the, the local police, the police chiefs association, the, the, uh, the prosecutors association, uh, the state police was saying this was a really bad bill. And I think putting a lot of people, at least a little bit of pause on that. Uh, but the reality is when, when the votes came uh, as a rule, people, people were supportive of the, um, of the stand your ground bill. And ultimately the concern provided by law enforcement was, uh, this law would potentially provide our, uh, our gangbangers and our drug dealers the right to every time they enter an exchange and they know the other guy has a gun, I can just shoot him and then say, hey, I was standing my ground. 
because I didn't have a duty to retreat. So that that was their concern, which put some people in a bad spot. Uh, but the reality is, you know, I would have uh, I would have supported it. And indeed, you, you raise uh, uh, an interesting point about the articulated concern and. People consulted with Bob Ballinger, the only practicing lawyer in the Senate. They consulted with me. They consulted with others. And that claim is simply false. That claim about the Stand Your Ground bill is simply false. And I believe it came about because of groups like Moms Demand Action, which is funded by Bloomberg, and other leftist organizations that are anti-gun, and they created a false narrative. If you listen to one candidate's Uh, audio description as to why he voted against Stand Your Ground. He said, it was discovered. Discovered by whom? By Bloomberg? By Moms Demand Action? Not by me. I'm a lawyer. I'm a law professor. I can read a statute. And that law would not have in any way empowered gangbangers or people to commit murder. And that's really a tragedy that we have. Aaron Pilkington came to this conference that we had at the law school, and he and Bob Ballinger and David Ray and uh, John Cooper um, and Karen Maynard uh, and Reverend uh, Iverson Jackson all spoke about this law, and we brought out the point that Republicans needed to do a better job of explaining what this law would do. And I'm hopeful that we are, I'm in fact confident that we're going to be able to do that in the next legislative session, hopefully with your leadership as the pro temp. So as usual, uh, Bart, I have droned on during the interview, and so we've got less (laughs) than a minute uh, to go. Remind us again where your district is, uh, and, and tell the voters when they need to come out and vote for you. Well, my district's in northwest Arkansas, primarily Benton County, a little of Washington County. But, hey, hey since we got a little bit of time, yeah. I, want, I want to say you don't need it, – it is imperative that we get out and we vote for the right judges. No matter what us as legislators do, Amen. the judges overrule. I mean, hey, we've got a Supreme Court race in Arkansas that's going to make uh, – th- this vote will change so much legislation over the next few years. Uh, there is not an important, more important election than the Supreme Court in Arkansas. Um, you know, and I'll be voting for Barbara Webb. It, it could not be more important that we that we look into this and the voters be educated on that vote. Dave, uh, David, sorry. Uh, Bart, I've got so many political candidates. Bart, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. We're going to go to a commercial right now. Thanks. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. This President's Day morning, 8.36 a.m., 52 degrees in Little Rock. We are in the last half hour of the show, Zach. It's remarkable how quickly this show goes, particularly when you have such wonderful elected and, and, and will-be elected officials to talk to about policy. The thing that I have always found so interesting about Dave's show is it has this wonderful blend of local and national, and it's always topical. And so we talk to people running in state elections, but regarding issues that permeate the country. Stand your ground is an issue that permeates the country. We stand out in, no pun intended, by the way, in the South as the only state that doesn't have a stand your ground law. And we are similar to New York. And I'm not blaming, I'm not trying to say New York is evil. I was born in New York. But New York 
is overwhelmingly leftist and their laws reflect it. And so moving to Arkansas, the wonderful many, there were many wonderful things about moving to Arkansas, but perhaps the primary wonderful thing about moving to Arkansas was to live in a legal environment that protected and embraced my conservative values. That was not the case when I lived in New York. You should have seen all the hoops through which I had to jump if I wanted to go simply to go target shooting. You had to get a license to go target shooting. Can you imagine that? Supposedly you had a Second Amendment right, but you had to get a license to go target shooting with a handgun. Now, that's not respecting the Second Amendment, no less respecting one's right to self-defense. So the notion that even to this day, Arkansas has no stand-your-ground law is something that I am frankly saddened by, maybe even ashamed by. That's going to change in the next legislature, but much like when I testified, say, 10 years ago or so in favor of enhanced carry, what many people aptly call campus carry, it took three legislative sessions for that to pass. Well, we cannot stand, again, this time, no pun intended, we cannot stand for having it take three legislation, legislative sessions, rather, folks, sorry, it's the end of the show, three legislative sessions before we pass Stand Your Ground. It failed by one vote, one vote by someone who claimed to be a Republican, I guess technically was in the Republican Party, but not a conservative. And so this time we are going to pass Stand Your Ground, but only if, only if everybody who listens to this show, be it on 101.1 FM, The Answer on radio or on 101.1 FM, The Answer dot com. You have to listen to the show and you have to go out and vote for the conservative candidate, be it in the primary or be it in the general election or both, or both. We had a bunch of good conservatives on the radio today. There are other good conservatives out there. And by the way, if someone else who's opposing one of the candidates who was on the show today, or even in another race, wants to come on Dave's show, call the studio, Dave will get you on, or if I'm guest hosting, I'll get you on, because we want to hear all of your voices. We really do. That's why during this uh, presentation that by the Second Amendment Society at the Bowen School of Law, we invited everybody. We invited the left and the right. We were not able to get folks on the left up to the presentation, some of whom couldn't make it due to legitimate conflicts in terms of time. I can't say that's for everyone. I simply don't know. But at least some of them, good, honest, hardworking, Lefty politicians and elected officials. The lefty's not meant to say they are evil people. It's just meant to say I fundamentally disagree with their politics and I would never vote for them. I'd have coffee with them. Absolutely. But I would never vote for them. So I suspect virtually all of Dave's listeners, Zach, are conservatives. So they won't vote for the lefties. That's good as far as I'm concerned because I want to bring about even more conservative change in government So we can do things like pass Stand Your Ground. Stand Your Ground is such a basic law, such a simple law. Every state around us has it. And yet you don't see, uh, as is falsely, falsely claimed, people going out and committing murder. Absolutely not. 
That's really the tragedy of it all. When we can't have an honest debate about a good law. You want to say you're against it because you're against guns? Be against guns. Moms Demand Action is an anti-gun group. They honestly believe that guns are a bad thing. I, I know they're wrong, but I know that they're honest in their belief. But you, none of the folks in Moms Demand Action claim to be pro-Second Amendment and pro-gun. If you claim to be pro-Second Amendment and pro-gun and pro-self-defense and you're against stand your ground at the same time, you're a hypocrite and or a liar. That's the simple truth. You can't have both positions at the same time. That's a dishonest position. And I'm just so tired of these elected officials taking these dishonest positions. Folks, I say more about this, by the way, on the Twitter gram, as I like to call it. You can uh, follow me at Rob Steinbuck, at Rob Steinbuck, at R-O-B-S-T-E-I-N-B-U-C-H on the Twitter gram. Hey, Zach, why don't we go a little early on the commercial this time, and then we can come back and have a slightly longer segment to end up the show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Monday morning, 8.46 a.m., 52 degrees in Little Rock. Follow me on the Twitter gram at Rob Steinbuck. Folks, we have only about 10 minutes left of the show. It's really remarkable how quickly this show goes by when we have such wonderful guests on. I want to change topics slightly, not dramatically. And I want to talk about NPR. There was an article in the paper recently about how NPR funding has gotten cut by the government, and yet they are able to raise funds and continue on. And indeed, folks, that's the point. Why do we have government creating a news station, a radio station, a TV station? There's not enough TV stations. When you turn your cable television on, you don't have TV stations. When you turn on the radio, you don't have radio stations. Why do we have the government providing this service? This is the problem when government taxes and taxes and taxes. It finds more and more things for you to do with your money. They take it from you by picking your pocket, and then they spend it for you. Thank you very much. I don't need you to spend my money. I can spend it. Or, by the way, save it. Just Fine without you. So NPR? No. Guess what? We don't need it. Well, you know, they have such great pro. They do this and Great. Great. If people think it's great, then they can provide for it by giving the very donations that have, have supplemented the loss that NPR has suffered by properly cutting their funding. People can buy services. They can donate to services. Church groups, right? Churches are not a function of taxation, nor are they a function particularly of a economic market. They are a function of donations. And yet they exist all over this country. There are many mechanisms of financing organizations that don't require a gun to the head. Remember, that's what taxation is. It's a gun to your head because if you don't pay your taxes... Then you go to jail. And so for some things, maybe it's necessary to have compulsory taxation. But public radio? Seriously? Public radio? It's necessary to have compulsion for? That's what drives me crazy about those on the left. They say, don't you think this is a good idea? And I say, 
I think there are a lot of good ideas out there. And here's the thing. If you think something's a good idea, pay your money to do it. What I don't think is a good idea is for you to stick your hand in my pocket and steal my money for that thing that you think is a good idea, and I don't get to do the same for you because I don't want to stick my hand in your pocket. I want you to be able to do with your money that you see fit. So keep your hands out of my pocket. That's like the line that I've referenced in the past from the Planet of the of the apes where Charlton Heston says keep your damn paws off me and I relate that to keep your damn hands out of my pockets I don't need people picking my pockets to pursue their private individual goals even if many people agree with it because if many people agree with it go ahead pass around the donation plate and do whatever you want but I don't see anybody passing a donation plate around to have gun shows, and yet they pop up all over Arkansas. Arkansas. Sorry about that. Uh, Why? Because the market brings it about. And if the market didn't bring it about, they could bring it about through public donation. But don't compel me to bring about something that I'm not interested in. And this bespeaks this broader point that we spoke about this whole last three hours here on the Dave Ellswick Show with some really outstanding conservative uh, elected officials and would-be elected officials. And that's the notion of individual freedom. Folks, you get to decide, I think, I hope, still in this society, what you think is good and what you think is bad. Now, remember, the lefties want to tell you, you're not allowed to think that. You're not allowed to say that, right? You're not allowed to believe, for example, for many lefties, that it's inappropriate for people who are born biologically male to compete in female races. Now, I don't care what you want to call yourself. I don't care how you want to present yourself. I really don't. I really don't. I've got enough things to think about. But if you want to compete against me if I were a woman or you want to compete against uh, uh, my sister or another family member who's female and you are born biologically male, well, you have an advantage. That's why we have separate competitions. If you think people born biologically male should compete in women's competitions, why don't we just do away with women's competitions? Similarly, why don't we just do away with women's restrooms? That's the response. If you believe there is no difference between what they call the genders, I just say that because it's really between the sexes. If you think there's no difference between the sexes, then there should be no distinction between men's rooms and women's rooms, men's showers and women's showers, men's competitions and women's competitions. But yet there is this hybrid and I don't get it. And I think, by the way, we as conservatives need to do a better job a better job of being accepting of people who are different than us. Yes, there are people who call themselves uh, uh, transgendered, who are transgendered. I don't mean that description one way or the other. And I think we can do a better job of saying, hey, whatever we think, and I'm not saying what we think, uh, you're a human being and you are welcome as as a human being in society and in the environments in which we operate. We need to do a better job at that. But what we don't need to do is change our values. What we don't need to do is deny 
simple biology. What we don't need to do is deny simple science. And what we don't need to do is deny uh, simple reality. I may have repeated myself in one sense or another. The point is that this newfound claim that you can't even say, no less subscribe to the notion that women's competition should have uh, people who are biologically female only or then just do away with women's competition because that's what you will wind up doing in the end. But this is what happens, Zach, when political correctness runs amok. And we can't have it. And that's why electing conservatives is such an important ideal. By the way, I had suggested a bill that was introduced in the last legislative session. It didn't move forward. It's now in legislative study. It's going to move forward next session. Here's a very simple idea. The bill says if you're an elected official, some crony bureau hack can't tell you what you say and what you believe at home, at night, when you're on the face post, Facebook, I know it, on the face post in your footsie pajamas. Because right now, they can, and a bureau hack showed up to argue against my bill to say, to say, we bureau hacks should be entitled, get this, should be entitled to tell you as a citizen of Arkansas, simply because you work for the state of Arkansas, that you can't say your private personal beliefs on your Facebook at home. Can you believe it? No. When you're at home, you're a private citizen, and the heavy hand of some mid-level bureau hack should not be imposing their views on you. You get to go home and get on the face post, get on the Twitter gram, get on any form of social media, call your cousin, sit on the stoop, and say what you believe. That's a fundamental right of Arkansans, that's a fundamental moral moral right of Americans. Guess what, folks? The First Amendment has been so abused by the courts that it doesn't offer you that protection. We are going to restore your true First Amendment rights come the next legislation, next legislative session, rather, through great people like Kim Hammer, Kim Hammer, was the original sponsor of that bill, by the way, through great people like Bob Ballinger, through great people like Dan Sullivan, through great people like Bart Hester, through (coughs) great people like David Ray, through great people like Mark Lowry, and so many true conservatives. This is the key, folks. You need to vote for a true conservative. No longer, unfortunately... Does the mere label of Republican inform you enough whether or not an individual believes in your true First Amendment rights, your true freedom of speech rights, in your true Second Amendment rights, your true right to self-defense? No longer does it even tell you whether or not they believe in the pro-life position. So you need to do a little more homework, folks, and you need to get out and vote in those primaries. Primary voting starts, what is it, tomorrow, Zach? I think it starts tomorrow. You need to get out and vote in your primary for the true conservative candidate. 
because we are going to bring about some real change in this state. It is the first time in a sea change that we have an overwhelmingly Republican majority in the legislature. But we have yet to get, yet to get an overwhelmingly conservative majority. And that's going to change, folks. Uh, I and Dave's listeners and Dave and the elected officials that we support are not going to tolerate phony conservatives. That is, people wearing the Republican banner, but who are not true conservatives. If you don't support the Second Amendment, if you don't support Stand Your Ground, if you don't want to ensure that Obamacare is not the law, by the way, Obamacare supported by big medicine, so-called nonprofit big medicine, lobbying the legislature and campaigning for people who want to take money out of your pockets, then you're not a conservative. I'm not interested. I'm not interested that you're a Republican. And if a, and if a phony conservative Republican wins a primary, I'm sitting that race out. That's right. I will sit out the general election. I will not support a phony phony conservative under the banner of Republican. It is that simple. That's what the problem is. So we need to be vigilant, folks, in ensuring that we have true conservatives in our legislature. I hear the music playing. I hear Zach waving me out of the studio. Zach, where's the love? He's waving me out of the studio. It is such an honor and a privilege to sit in for Dave Ellswick on this President's Day. Dave Ellswick, you are a great American. You're a great Arkansan. You're a great conservative. With your help, we will ensure that Arkansas proceeds down the correct conservative path in the future. And with that, I wish you all a wonderful day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.